Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, this is a tricky passage, isn't it, huh? The second half of our gospel reading, when not read in context and through the lens of God's grace and mercy, alone can be one of the most off-putting and misunderstood scriptures in the Bible. Jesus, at face value, appears right here at this very moment to be very, um, well, not very Jesus-y. <laughs> and, um, but when properly understood, it reveals the good news of actually being a dog in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, that's what I'm going to talk about today. What it is, the good news of being a dog in the kingdom of heaven. Now, you have to understand, so Jesus and, uh, and the disciples, they've crossed over the sea, if you remember from last week, and they're the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is a very heavily Gentile populated area. But there are Jews there, and they've been teaching, and they've been preaching all day. And, um, and uh, if you remember, just right before Jesus has uh, finished teaching, he's like, hey, it is not what goes into a person that defiles them. It's not what you do that defines you. It's what comes from the heart that defiles you. Uh, it is you have a heart problem before God. And this is Jesus is echoing and fulfilling the prophets. But this really offends the Pharisees. And uh, this offends our natural religion because um, so much of what our natural religion says is nobody cares what you say. It's what you do. You know, it's what you do. It's what you do that defines you. And uh, the disciples are like, what does this mean? And you remember Jesus says, we need a, you need a heart transplant. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. You need a heart transplant. And the disciples at this moment are thinking, yeah, great, we get it. We're with you. You're the means to our end. The Pharisees have a means to our end and end, and now, Jesus, you're our means to the end. And now they're at this dinner. They've been healing all day. They've been hanging out all like and teaching people all day, and they're now sitting down to dinner. And this Canaanite woman awkwardly, she's been following them all day, it seems like, and she interrupts the olives and hummus, and uh, she has a request. And she says, son of David, the Jewish reference to the Messiah, have mercy and heal my daughter who is demon-possessed. Now, in Jesus' day, you know, according to the religion of due, according to the law, According to the law, which he is the Messiah and he is upholding, she is a woman, and woman, women in those days just didn't approach men. And then second, she's a Canaanite. And uh, I like the King James version of it, the Syrophoenician. She's a Canaanite, a Syrophoenician, and they are enemies of the Jews. They are enemies of the Jews, and they hate each other. And so she's got two strikes against her. You just don't approach one a man, and then as a Canaanite, you just don't approach a Jew. Yet she approaches and she asks not just for the healing of her daughter, but this is key. She says, have mercy. Singer and songwriter Nick Cave, 
of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds fame, who I've just recently gotten into, he has a blog entitled The Red Hand Files, where fans can ask him whatever they want. And this last week, Nick Cave was discussing his thoughts on mercy in light of a question that was revolving around cancel culture and his thoughts on cancel culture. And uh, Nick Cave writes, mercy, and it's really good, he writes, mercy ultimately acknowledges that we are all imperfect, and in doing so, allows us the oxygen to breathe, to feel protected within a society. Through our mutual fallibility, without mercy, he goes on to say, a society loses its soul and it devours itself. And at a shallow glance, this appears to be a merciless moment, Jesus' interaction with this Canaanite woman. Jesus, at first, is stone-cold silent. And the disciples, like many of us disciples today, you know, we think we've got Jesus all figured out. And unfortunately, when we think we've got Jesus all figured out, we usually jump on the wrong bandwagon. And with callousness and unfeeling, they say, send her away. You know, send her away so we can go back to enjoying the olives and the hummus. Now, this is my first point. As Nick Cave points out, as the disciples illustrate, where there is law but no mercy, where there is law but no grace, I'm talking about unconditional mercy and unmerited grace. What remains is exclusion. What remains is prejudice. What remains is hatred. What remains is suspicion. What remains is categories of people. Categories of people who are outsiders and insiders. Categories of people who are strangers and unclean. Don't go near those people. They're criminals, don't you know? Don't go near those people. They're bigots, don't you know? And don't even, don't even think of marrying one of them. Jesus, though, remember they just came from this, this encounter with the Pharisees, where the Pharisees are like scoffing at Jesus and his teaching. And they're wanting to understand. So Jesus is about to turn this entire moment into a living lesson. And so Jesus, he just lets the olives sit and coagulate. He's going to let the hummus get a little cold. And he's going to teach the disciples and all of us what faith is actually all about. What Christian faith is all about. Watch Jesus now. Take a look in the reading. He starts pressing and he is upholding the law. This is what the Messiah does. He presses and he upholds the law. And he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's lifting it up. He's ratcheting the law. But Matthew writes, she cries out. And in the Greek, that word cry out is as she worships him. She worships him and she says, Lord, help me. This is more along the lines of St. Peter last week. Lord, save me. 
Jesus, he keeps taking that law to its highest pitch because no one will be justified before the law. And it's taken to that highest level. It is condemning and it is unwavering and it levels everybody. And he looks at her and he says, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. I once heard someone try and justify, you know, kind of the moment because they didn't understand what was going on. And they were like, he calls her a little dog. Uh, This is not a reference to a cuddly pet. Jesus calls this woman in this moment an ethnic slur. She's not only a garbage-eating scavenger, but she is a helpless garbage-eating scavenger. Ugh! Yet the woman says, yes, Lord. She acknowledges it. Ugh! Even the dogs eat the scraps from the master's table. I mean, I am offended at this moment. This passage gives me a lot of trouble. And I'm offended. Well, I'm not anymore. I was for the longest time. Because I missed the message. And I missed the message because it's not obvious to me because I'm an entitled person. And the message is, and and if you're entitled in any way, you miss this completely. Especially if you think you're entitled before God. You miss this completely. Because in the midst of what appears to be a cruel and merciless world, what Jesus is teaching here is what does real faith actually look like? Luther, and he opened my eyes to this. He nailed it when he was preaching from this text. He says, the healing is not so much for this woman or for her faith or for the child as it is for Jesus' disciples and for all of us entitled people. Jesus is actually in this moment teaching us entitled Arrogant people who see Jesus as a means to an end, as a justification for whatever they're doing. He is training us for whatever great faith actually looks like. And this is my second point. In a merciless world, where there are insiders and outsiders, in a merciless world, living faith in this age can take the shape of a desperate Canaanite woman who embraces her dogginess. And then, in the embrace of that dogginess, doggedly pursues the promise of the gospel, hidden under Jesus' rejection, or at least what appears to be a rejection. Jesus is teaching the disciples and us What he's teaching us here is that in a cruel and rejectful world, to hang on to his word and to trust him and not our feelings or even how God might seem to be treating us in this moment. The faith that God gives us enables us to actually hear a yes, sometimes buried in the no. Faith that God gives us, will not let Jesus go because it not only understands that Jesus upholds the law, 
but in his person and work, he fulfills the law on your behalf. And so then Jesus says to this woman, let it be done for you as you desire. Jesus speaks to her warmly, gently, acceptingly. And the moment he speaks those words, the demons leave that woman's that, that woman's daughter's body. They flee at the word incarnate. And you know that this rocked the disciples' minds. You should read Bo Geert's commentary on this, uh, on this particular passage. Um, they are in this moment given a new understanding and a new image of faith as it conjures up all sorts of questions about who's an outsider and who's an insider. And I hope it once again does within all of us. Bo Geert's story um, on this particular passage, he's writing through the perspective of the Apostle Andrew. And Andrew's like, indeed, we were given all of these promises. But maybe it wasn't so that like the Pharisees, we'd stand on our own two feet in pride. But maybe we might actually lead the world in repentance and in being gracious and merciful. And I say this and I preach on this because I can already see the Twitter feeds. You know, I can already see the Facebook profiles and the cable news and now even the Instagram stories, you know, about who's in and who's out. No, no, no. Save Instagram. That's supposed to be for funny memes and cat pictures. But walking in the disciples' sandals, I mean, we are shoring up. We're shoring up who are the outsiders and who are the insiders. Of course, of course, Jake, Jesus is the Savior of the world, but only my world, and in my world you have to agree with me. Jesus is going to bust that bubble. As Christians... I love what Nadia Boltzweber says. When you find yourself on one side of the fence, uh, Jesus is going to be on the other. <laughs> you know? As Christians, our call is for the faith of the Canaanite woman. That's the image of faith we're given. The faith of who before the law of God understands themselves as a dog, who understands that the Christian life is about mercy, not merit, one that understands like that woman before God, we deserve nothing and have no greater prayer than, Lord, save me. And a lot of people, when I talk like this, they can get their backs up at this moment. You know, you're so negative. But it's here, with the eyes of faith, when you know who you are, that through the world of exclusion, through the world of prejudice, through the world of hatred, suspicion, and all of the categories we begin to set up and that the world begins to put up, by faith we can understand that with Jesus, dogs, dogs get the crumbs that fall generously from the master's table, and those crumbs turn out to be they turn out to be pretty dang amazing. The most amazing thing in the world. It is a fair like no other. 
Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Drink this, all of you, this is my blood, which has been shed for you. This is Jesus talking. The same Jesus who went to the dogs in his death and on a garbage dump outside of a hill in Jerusalem where your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world are forgiven. Let me tell you, the good news is is that dogs have never had it so good as that when they're under the master's table. This is my third point. Let me just say, I hope that this kind of new understanding of faith becomes our Polaris as we navigate as a church 2020, the rest of it, because it's going to get wild, and the years that are to come till Jesus returns. But this is my third point. Hear me out. You may categorize yourself out there. You may be a Democrat. You may be a Republican out there. You may be black. You may be white. You may be brown. You may be yellow. You may be whatever out there. You may be male. You may be female out there. But in here, in here, and let me tell you, those things, those identities will eventually leave you alone. But in here, where the gospel is proclaimed and the gospel is believed and the gospel is clung to doggedly, you who were once not a people are now a people. In here, you are baptized, and you who once did not know mercy have received mercy in Jesus. And this should send us out in acts of kindness, in acts of forgiveness, in acts of mercy, not with those who agree with us, but those all the more who disagree with us. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Forgiven by God in Jesus' name, you are so much more than what the world will tell you. You are so much more than what you want to identify with. You, my brothers and sisters, are a priestly people. You are a holy nation, a treasured possession of God. And you are this because, as the scriptures say, it's all about his amazing grace and it's all about his undeserved mercy given to you. All in Jesus. And the good news of being a dog in the kingdom is that in Jesus, you're no longer a dog or whatever the world will tell you. You are instead children of Abraham, sons and daughters of the living God, with a place always at the master's table. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.